0: Sustainability in organisations is more pressing now than ever, and rightly so. Climate change is the biggest challenge of our generation, and despite interventions and innovations, the clock is very much ticking.
1: The path we're following right now is basically sending us towards a climate crisis that will have a huge impact on the personal level, but also this is dangerous for business too.
0: That's Matteo Dugon.
1: My name is Matteo Dugon. I am a technologist at Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, focusing on IT efficiency, sustainability, and the circular economy.
0: With the help of Matteo and today's guests, we'll be exploring sustainability in tech and asking, what is the circular economy, and can it really ever be a closed loop? Is asset upcycling secure from a data standpoint? Can we be sustainable and profitable at the same time? And carbon credits, what's the point? All this and much more. I'm Michael Bird and this is Technology Untangled. These days, climate science is always front page news and organisations seem to be paying attention. But environmental bodies have been calling for regulation and action for decades. It's time, as always, for a little history. The Western Industrial Revolution in the 18th and 19th centuries changed the world through mechanisation, steam and water power, and gas lighting. New and streamlined production also delivered important social benefits, from improved transportation and sanitation to extended life expectancy. Business boomed and the quality of life skyrocketed, but all this came with a price. Corporate environmentalism started to emerge in the 60s, which initially meant acting on mandated regulations. And the 1972 oil crisis and the 1979 energy crisis shone a spotlight on our dependence on non-renewable energy sources. The next decades are a complex web of government attempts at regulation and organisations designing their own environmental strategies. The problem? It just wasn't enough.
1: There are thousands of scientists out there that are all saying the same thing. That we are in a climate crisis. That we have an increasing amount of species that are disappearing from the planet. That pollution is killing more and more people every year. On a worldwide basis. And that we are basically going towards a path that is just not sustainable for both business and for the, the society we live in.
0: Okay, history lesson over. These devastating consequences prove we all need to take a serious look at sustainability in our organizations. And we can start by breaking that broad term down into three
1: parts. One of the definitions of sustainability is that you have three dimensions. You have the social dimension, you have the environmental dimension, and you have the economic dimension.
0: The first social dimension plays out in corporate sustainability strategies, which redefine who organizations answer to.
1: The concept itself is that a company doesn't leave for profit only. It also leaves to be a corporate citizen having a corporate sustainability strategy means that you acknowledge there are different stakeholders other than your investors. Investors are super important, of course. They're part of those stakeholders, but you have other stakeholders. You have customers, you have suppliers, you have partners, and you have the society and the planet. And you basically turn your strategy to make sure that you take into account and that you are going to benefit all those stakeholders. It used to be really something that was kind of a nice to have, it literally became a must-have for any organization to embed some dimensions of corporate sustainability in their organizations.
2: So the first thing to point out is when organizations, you know when they're thinking about sustainability, they're not only thinking about the planet and the environment
0: that's Steve Gare, Sales Director for Financial Services at HPE. Steve spends quite a lot of time thinking about the economic dimension of sustainability.
2: They may be thinking about you know, their long-term viability of their organisation, financial stability, thinking about growing revenue, attracting inward investment, also thinking about a sustainable supply chain and is their business model sustainable. Sustainability as well is really important because Companies are using it to attract talent. So they're making sure that their objectives and their goals are out there in the public domain. And that means that they can attract that young, early careers and and new entrants into the business world. So driving sustainability can also mean driving efficiencies in an organization, including reducing costs. This can include how companies finance, consume, use technology, really trying to drive efficiencies across their organization. Attracting talent and investment while cutting costs
0: sounds good, we've already hit one of sustainability's biggest stumbling blocks, tech. We've all got it, we all need it, and that's part of the problem.
1: I think what is important to acknowledge is that there is always more to do. There is a scientific fact which says that The IT industry is today responsible for close to 4% of the greenhouse gas emissions on Earth. That's close to 1.5 more than the aviation industry, to give a little bit of context. We, as an industry, are generating close to 50 million tons of electronic waste, and that's increasing. That's the fastest waste category increase that we see uh, today
2: worldwide. When we talk about sustainable organizations, we're all aware that technology forms a large part in any organization's carbon footprint, it's one element of the goals that they're looking to drive down with regards to emissions in carbon footprint in greenhouse gas.
1: We have definitely that shared responsibility that we have to discuss about, that we have to raise awareness about, and that we have to implement strategies for it. I think that the IT industry has stepped up to that challenge that a lot of the players have put in place, very ambitious. Uh, strategies both from a waste generation perspective but also from a climate perspective and that are leading the way towards uh, being more sustainable and more responsible in the way they do business.
0: We'll dive into these ambitious strategies later on but before we do that let's look at the problematic model that has a catastrophic impact on that third environmental dimension.
1: Well, you have what we call the linear economy, which is how the current economy and the past economy has been working for for decades. It's all about extracting things from from Earth, manufacturing something out of it, using it, and basically burying it back into the Earth and generating all that waste. The result of that is that not only we don't have unlimited resources on Earth, and that will lead us to an unsustainable model where we will not be able to extract anything anymore at some point. We'll probably end up having very water-stressed geographies. That will also happen for minerals. That will probably also happen for oil at some point. Not now, but at some point, we'll also kind of run up out of those resources. So that linear economy is literally not working from a business perspective in, in the long term.
0: For most people, that shouldn't come as a surprise. Prominent thinkers have been trying to move away from the linear model since the 70s in lieu of a closed-loop approach. But the economic and business opportunity of such an approach wasn't considered in any detail until an Ellen MacArthur Foundation's report in 2013. Its topic, the circular economy.
2: It's a subsection, I would say, of sustainability, and it really has three main principles. The first one is design out. So that's designing products with the environment in mind, thinking about uh, ethical sourcing, um, product recyclability, power usage, efficiencies. The second one is keeping the assets in the circle longer. So it's just doing that. It's making sure that the assets can be repurposed and reutilized to ensure that a second user or a third user can take benefit of that technology. And the third one is regenerate. And this is actually regenerating the natural system. These circular economy
0: principles are vital in the IT industry, which has the dual issue of depleting natural resources and generating waste.
2: The critical point is the reutilizing and repurposing after Usage rather than disposing. We must move away from a linear society of take, make, throw. The limited resources and raw materials on the planet, it, it just can't cope with that old mentality.
0: So, how is the IT industry approaching the new circular mentality? And is it really making a difference? Let's take the three pillars one by one. So, first up, design out waste.
1: One of the key innovations uh, that's happened in the last years is what we call the memory-driven computing. You'll have the end of the Moore law, which basically tells you the amount of work in compute per watt consumed is still increasing, but at a slower rate. That means that we cannot rely anymore only on processor improvements in order to make those energy effectiveness increases in terms of performance. We have to look beyond that element and look at inventing new architectures so that we can bring new efficiencies to the compute world. With the early results that we have showed that we have significant energy efficiency performances that can bring the energy consumption of such an architecture to a new level where we could essentially consume 1% of the energy consumed in traditional architectures to do the exact same work. When you become more energy efficient and therefore reduce the emissions associated with that energy use, you also reduce your power bill. right? The second part is really the materials innovation part around photonics. By using photons rather than electronics, electrical links, this technology will basically use microscopic lasers to shoot hundreds of times more data down an optical fiber. And that will eliminate the use of copper wires, which are a natural resource that we're extracting on a daily basis for the IT industries. It will also save a huge amount of energy to power and cool those systems. So the fibers are very small. They create space efficiencies too, which are very important, so that will also reduce the amount of natural resources we need to manufacture any kind of product. And also the installation will be a lot easier.
0: With new products like these, organisations will be able to reduce energy use, save money and, most importantly, have microscopic lasers. Very much all wins in my book. Across the world, the IT industry is being encouraged by government bodies to innovate sustainably. And in the UK, that incentivisation comes from DEFRA.
3: My name is Matty and I am the head of sustainable IT for DEFRA Group.
0: DEFRA is the government department that is responsible for environmental protection, food production and standards, agriculture and fisheries and rural communities. Matty works closely with the UK IT industry to drive forward a sustainability agenda in line with the UN's global goals.
3: If we are going to achieve a state of net, by 2050, we have to transition um, the economy to cleaner energy and affordable energy. And I think there is this assumption that sustainability is expensive and therefore moving to greener and renewable energy is more expensive. And that's not the case. The more that we accelerate innovation, the more that we accelerate and work together as an industry in IT, and produce these technologies that are driving us towards a cleaner economy, it will become less expensive. But also, I recognise that government have a role to play in that, in providing incentives and so forth.
0: We'll hear more from Matty later. New tech is being designed with the environment in mind, and the innovation cycle seems to be getting shorter. But this out with the old and in with the new turnover does pose a significant problem.
2: I think if you look at individuals at this moment in time, it does feel like we just acquire technology in our own lives and we use it. And if you ask someone what they do with the technology at the end of life, I bet actually there's no answer. How often do we have mobile phones in the drawer? How often do we have radios or, you know, old technology or music players that we just don't use anymore. And what happens in the end, who knows?
0: Unfortunately, plenty of individuals and organisations simply have no idea what happens to their tech when they're done with it. So here is the perfect segue into pillar two of the circular economy, keeping assets in the cycle.
4: When you think of it from a customer's perspective, many cases there's a heavy investment in IT technology You know, they've introduced new applications or new environmental changes to their business, so they no longer need those assets.
0: That's Ray McGann.
4: Ray McGann, EMEA asset manager.
0: Ray is a manager at HPE's Erskine re-engineering facility in Scotland.
4: But from a regulatory perspective, from a compliance perspective, from an environment perspective, they do need to ensure that they have a robust displacement programme. When you look at it from their point of view in two fashions, one is that they are able to stand over their environmentally sound practices for displacement. And secondly, they're able to benefit from that economic return.
0: At the facility in Erskine, IT assets are recovered from end of lease programmes, short term rentals and asset upcycling customers in order to move through the cycle.
4: So if there's a discrepancy, and in many cases, companies will have upgraded their estate during the life of the asset. So if it's on a five-year lease uh, for data center equipment, for example, a high degree of probability that that has been upgraded during its five-year li- lifespan. And what we were able to do with that reporting is confirm back to customers, you've sent us more than we actually gave you initially. So here we can either send it back to you uh, or we can monetize it on your behalf and you know repatriate the, the funding back to you.
0: So just send your assets off to Ray and he will repurpose them and give them a new home. That sounds great for consumer goods like tablets, but organizations are understandably hesitant about their assets being repurposed.:
2: Is my technology secure? Is my data secure when it actually has gone to a second user? There's a financial services organisation out there that that we're dealing with today. And they used to destroy all their hard drives due to security reasons, literally crushed the drives. We've worked with them to find alternative ways to ensure the data is securely removed. And we're repurposing and reutilising those drives with second users. That was a massive decision.
0: The centre in Erskine's data sanitation process means that not even employees know who assets belong to.
4: The system is geared to recognize this is now from a military application or from a government application or from a financial services application, specifically what was contractually agreed between us and that customer. And then the system will perform the relevant data sanitization strategies. If it has that additional data wipe degaussing uh, or shredding to be done, then that will follow subsequently.
0: Once the assets are data sanitised, they can be remarketed via wholesalers or direct retail by HPE or even repatriated back to the original customers. So what about the stuff that's just no good anymore?
4: That's actually quite a critical piece of this. You know, we don't allow assets to seep out that's into the marketplace because if we don't find that they are viable, and there can be many reasons for that, could be that the device is just too old or it's a faulty device and therefore unlikely to ever have a viable second life or third life. If we detect that the acid isn't suitable, we make sure it stays in the distribution process that brings those acids straight back to our HPE recyclers. uh, And they then are gold with recovering as much of the raw materials and the precious metals.
2: The differences between... Buying new technology off the shelf and actually reutilizing technology and and keeping the technology in the circle longer, the impact on the carbon footprint is is massive.
0: Organizations have got plenty on their plates regarding sustainability, and asset recycling might not be top on the agenda. So, why should they care?
4: Interestingly, we had a a conference uh, with business leaders uh, in uh, Dublin a few months ago where we talked about this exact point. You know, and one of the um, CTOs was, you know, talking about his experience and his focus. And he described it as inside his four walls, he was developing, you know, much more environmentally friendly uh, power outputs. He was re engineering his uh, data center equipment to ensure that, you know, it was as ecologically friendly as he could make it. And, you know, he really put a lot of effort and pride into creating as efficient a data center as possible. However, I asked him, okay, so once it leaves your four walls, what's your concern then? And he said, that's a problem. Because up until these discussions, he didn't really think about it. The point we're making to customers, partners, uh, end user data center managers and CTOs is, yeah, look, that's not good enough just to worry about your own piece of the equation, because that's what drives bad behavior. You do need to think beyond your four walls. You do need to think down the supply chain. And can you really assert that when you look at who you've used in the past to displace your equipment or dispose of your equipment, can you be sure what standards they meet? Do you understand where they're reselling their assets? Do you know what compliance they have? Do you know what they've done with the data? Have they certified it? Can you stand over those certifications? And by the way, would you put that into your annual report?
3: I talk about natural capital and I talk about accounting for your activities. I know many organizations are great and they're producing corporate social responsibility reports that are published on many of organizations' websites. But also we need to think about natural capital. We need to think about net gains. We're not just talking about the impacts that our organization is causing on the environment, i.e. just talking about carbon emissions that are produced or talking about the waste that's produced. We need to trace it as far back as from when we are extracting these resources from the earth. And make sure that we are capturing that impact in addition to everything that is going on through our value chain, all the way to to the end of life of devices, of assets, to give us a holistic picture and to be able to help organizations plan.
0: The holistic big-picture life cycle approach that Matty's describing reinforces the importance of monitoring all stages of the cycle. The final circular economy pillar looks at replenishing natural resources. Many organisations include compensatory actions on their strategy, like planting trees or buying carbon credits. But is that really enough?
3: I think there's, there's a discussion there about is it, is it therefore right that organization can cut down trees in one part of the world and plant new trees? I think it's not, and I don't think we should be looking at sustainability in that way. We should be looking to substitute the use of trees or the use of precious materials that are running out in the world. And this is where we're looking for technologies to be able to provide those substitutes.
0: If all of this has you wondering what concrete action you can take to make IT in your organisation more sustainable, Matteo suggests looking a little closer to
1: home. In the data centre space, the biggest environmental impact is associated with the usage phase. Right, So the power, the cooling, and the natural resources that are associated with the use of a data center, that's at a level of 80%, by the way. The embodied carbon associated with the manufacturing of that asset is only 20% of the total environmental footprint. So 80% is the rest. That's the usage phase. So if you consider that, then you kind of think like, well, where really organizations should have a look at in terms of requirements and sustainability should be, Probably first of all, energy efficiency and how is the technology enabling them to manage efficiently their resources? You could buy a washing machine that is triple A rating in terms of environment, right? And put it into your apartment and put one sock into your washing machine. How environmental friendly is that? Not at all. Just the fact that you're basically not filling it properly is a waste of power, a waste of water, and therefore, kind of an environmental crime. Basically, the same thing happens with with IT. You can get the best gear out there with very energy efficient, which is still very important, right? You still need that triple A very environmental-friendly washing machine in the first place, just like you still need very energy-efficient technology excellence in terms of infrastructure. But what happens next is also as important as that, and that means how can you make sure that you're basically not underutilizing your your infrastructure? How are you making sure that you're not over-provisioning your infrastructure?
0: One way to avoid over-provisioning infrastructure is employing infrastructure as a service. And you can hear more about that in our previous episode. If your organisation can't or doesn't want to change the way it consumes IT, then Steve suggests reviewing your asset refresh cycles.
2: Asset management takes a lot of discipline within an organisation and often will drive when things will be refreshed. I've heard some crazy ideas out there in the past. I've actually seen some crazy practices as well, which is where technology is being utilized for maybe five, six, seven plus years, simply because that's a depreciation term and accounting policy. So, straight away, there's a conflict. So, an asset may be ready to be refreshed, swapped out, and changed. But because it hasn't reached its end of its depreciation cycle, the organization is holding back and preventing moving forward. And for me, the reason that's a a decision that needs to be accelerated to refresh is the impacts of utilizing aging technology. It's a major issue around performance, around footprint, around cooling, around the environmental impacts. I think across the board, you've got that optimum level. And it's when is the right time to swap out technology compared to it being a financial strategy with regards to financial management and accounting principles.
0: We can approach corporate sustainability strategies and the circular economy from a number of angles. And it's important to mention that this is a living process. All organisations have a part to play and there's always something more to
1: learn. You should always have a look at where your facts and numbers are coming from and make sure that they are aligned to science. One of the most famous sources that you can get is the IPCC. So that's kind of the Institute for Climate Change, and that's the Worldwide renowned. So if if there is anything that you can read on those topics, just read the last report. And it's a very science-based approach. It's not dramatic. It's not looking for drama or to scare anyone. It's really how much greenhouse gas emissions can we still produce in order to keep the warming of the planet under 1.5 degrees.
0: Governing bodies like DEFRA are on hand to provide guidance and make sure that no organisation is left behind.
3: So the regulation policies are there as businesses and as government as well. It's about engaging and collaborating, sharing ideas and knowledge, um, sharing our innovations and working together.
0: Working together also means holding each other accountable, whether as organisations or as consumers.
3: Consumers have a lot of power. So the decisions that we make in terms of purchasing products and services from companies, from organisations, making sure that we know that the businesses and the companies that we're doing business with think about sustainability at the heart of their operations and what they do. I always say that a company's profit margins and financial planning is is a powerful tool and, and if consumers can speak with that, companies will understand.
0: As overwhelming as it might seem, Tackling sustainability head-on offers a vision of a brighter future.
1: I think it's also very important to highlight that there is an opportunity out there. This is not only about scaring people, because yes, of course, it is scary. But there is also another version of what we could do. There is also a beautiful opportunity for us to strive as a society, to strive in terms of business, without having that impact on the environment, making sure that we're actually taking profit from it and really making sure that we're respecting it.
0: You've been listening to Technology Untangled and a huge thanks to today's guests for joining us, Matteo Degon, Steve Gare, Ray McGann and Matty Yetta. And you can find more information on today's episode in the show notes. Make sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app and join us next time when we'll be looking at hyper-converged infrastructure, speed, simplicity, scalability, and extreme consumption. Today's show was written and researched by Isabel Pollard and was hosted by me, Michael Bird with sound design and editing by Alex Bennett and production support from Harry Morton and Thomas Berry. Technology Untangled is a Lower Street production for Hewlett-Packard Enterprise in the UK and Ireland. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.